Good morning, good morning, River City family. Whether you are here with us this morning or whether you are live streaming or in our table space, we are so happy that you're worshiping with us. If you are watching from a distance, do yourself a favor, hop onto our Facebook River City Prayer Wall and download our service guide. It's going to have all of the prayers, all of the lectionary readings, and the scriptures used today. It'll allow you to be more interactive in our service because we wish that you could just participate as much as you can. So for our announcements, we have a couple of save the dates. On September the 22nd at the table space from 7 to 8.30, we are going to have a prayer and worship night. If you would like to come and pray and soak up and just gather together, this is going to be an awesome opportunity to do that. So again, it's going to be at 7 p.m. at the table this coming Tuesday. And then also on the 24th at 8 o'clock, we're going to have a Zoom finance meeting. This will be an awesome opportunity for you to understand more about RCC and our finances, what we receive, what we give, and what we need. So if you're interested in that, contact Bill at RiverCitySmyrna.com for more information and for the link, and that'll be on the 24th. And then we're also going to have our student co-op. We do this every Tuesday and Thursday at the table space. It's going to be from 8 a.m. to 12. If you have a child who's doing virtual learning and you need some assistance, this is the perfect place to send them. There'll be tutors there and they'll have other kids to study with. So if you want to make the most of that, that'll be every Tuesday and Thursday. And then today we have two things for you. After service at 3 p.m., we're going to have our perspective group. It is a book club. They read through different literature. This month we're talking about the color of compromise if you have been inspired this season to talk about racial justice and understanding your neighbor better this is a great opportunity to take that class talk with other people that'll be at 3 p.m today and then if you are new to rcc or if you've been here for a while but you want to understand more about our community and our culture we invite you to our welcome to the table it's going to be a five week small group it'll start this evening at 6 p.m you'll contact natalie and it'll be at her house so if if you want to contact her, it'll be NatalieFloydWalker at gmail.com. I'll go ahead and throw that in the YouTube comments so you guys can have that. Now, for that's the end of our announcements, we're just going to move into our lectionary reading. And our lectionary is a group of passages that we read. It goes through the Bible in three years, and it unites us with the Universal Church. Everyone will be reading the same lectionary passage every Sunday, and so it keeps us connected. This morning's lectionary passage is going to come from Psalm 145, and it says... I will extol the Lord, I will extol you, my God and King, and bless your name forever and ever. Every day I will bless you and praise your name forever and ever. Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised, and his greatness is unsearchable. One generation shall commend your works to another and shall declare your mighty acts. On the glorious splendor of your majesty and on the wondrous works I will meditate. They shall speak of the might of your awesome deeds. I will declare your greatness. They shall pour forth the fame of your abundant goodness and shall sing aloud of your righteousness. The Lord is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. And so, Father God, we just press in into what your word says about you, that you were gracious, you were abundant, slow to anger. Lord, we come to you this morning with very different ideas of who you are, and so Lord, we just pray in this moment that your spirit begins to reintroduce yourself to us. Lord, we just pray for the years of church hurt and misunderstandings that you are a harsh God, that you're out to judge us. 
Lord, you invite us with kindness. You invite us with the love and the warmth of a father. And so this morning, we just pray that we truly know who you are. Lord, let your children see who you really are. Lord, we thank you for this service, for those watching, for those here. I pray a special blessing over them this morning. I pray that you settle down the distractions and the anxieties and the worries, although valid, that you just allow them a space to feel peace. So Lord, I just pray that your room starts to feel peace, that they start to feel and live in the light of your love this morning, and that they can truly worship you in faith and in freedom, knowing that you are going to take good care of them, because you're a good father and you're a good God love you and we worship you this morning. We are so excited to be in your presence. And in your son Jesus' name we pray. Bible, but this week I felt like the Lord was speaking something for prayers of the people time um, from the Jesus storybook. So I'm going to read this before we enter into prayers of the people. It says, the day John was born, his dad knew God's promise to Abraham was coming true. God was sending the rescuer, and he was so happy he sang a song. Because God loves us with a never stopping, never giving up, unbreaking, always and forever love. Heaven is breaking through. He is sending us a light from heaven to shine on us like the sun, to shine on those who live in darkness and in the shadow of death, to guide our feet into the way of peace. And so if you will join me as we pray for the universal church, the people in the world, our community, and the people of River City, that we would pray with an understanding that Jesus, our rescuer, has come and is coming again. And that he is here to bring light into the darkest of places and to lead our feet into a place of peace which is found in him and in him alone. So God, we pray for the universal church, its members and its mission. We pray for the pastor, Lindsey Brown, who was hit by a car and his congregation is dealing with grieving the loss of a pastor in Florida. We pray for the Christians in Nigeria who continue to have persecution by extremist groups who go largely unseen and unknown, whose lives simply disappear from the global scale. But God, you see them and we know that you see them and we know it grieves your heart. So would you bring awareness and put action to our words? May we fight for and contend for for the lives of the Christians in Nigeria and those being persecuted around the world. May this not be a weekly thing, but it may be something that is stirred continually on our hearts to pray for our brothers and sisters in Christ. God, would you stop the extremists? Would you put an end? Would you lead even their feet to you into a place of peace? We pray for the house churches in um, China and, and Chinese villages all around the country who are being disbanded and demolished by the government. God, would you bring your light piercing through the darkest of places? 
that they would be able to gather in your name and sing your name and praise your name high above every other name. Give them comfort. May their faith be encouraged this morning, knowing that a church in Smyrna, Georgia is praying for them. We pray for the world and all those in it. We pray for California, Oregon, and Washington as fires have just destroyed acres upon acres upon acres of land and businesses and homes and livelihoods and lives. God, would you draw near to those who are fighting the fires? Would you draw near to those who have lost everything? Would you remind them, not meta just metaphorically, but in very real and tangible ways, would you show up through the church, through the body, through the community, comfort them, give them aid for the months and years to come as they begin to try and recover. Bring rain to squash the fires. We just ask for rain to pour down from the heavens. Would you have mercy on your people? We pray for the hurricane that impacted Florida and as we enter hurricane season, would you be near to those who have lost much? May we not turn a blind eye, may we not become numb to what is just weather, but may we intervene, may we step in, may we partner with May we offer a hope that surpasses every bit of thing on earth. We pray for the cyclone in Greece as they try and recover. God, may we not turn away from the weightiness of what's going around the world, but may we, may we take it and may we place it back at the foot of the cross. May we partner with you while we are earthside. May we be moved into action for caring for our neighbors and caring for the other. May we pray and hurt with those who are hurting. May we weep with those who are weeping around the world. But may we remember that you have sent Jesus, the rescuer, so there's an everlasting, eternal hope. We pray for the concerns of this local community and all those who suffer in it. God, we ask that you would be with Justin Boggs as he recovers from just such an ordeal of the past couple of days. God, would you bring total and complete healing to him and his body? Complete restoration to everything that was touched by the infection in his body. God, would you just come and touch your hand on it? May you send peace and comfort into his home that he'd be able to rest and that his body would be able to rest. May we as a community surround him and love him well. We pray for the Angie Lim as she and her friends and her family mourn the loss of Larry who passed away after a heart attack. God, you are not afraid to enter in our mourning and our sorrow. In fact, you grieve with us. And so we enter the grieving with them and we say, I am so sorry. It is such a broken world. And may we sit in that with them, knowing that this isn't the end of the story. 
thank you for the gift of eternity with you. And on that, we say thank you for the positive report for Ernie, the Godby's friend, that he would continue to allow the healing of the cancer to be just gone. May we celebrate that. May we not be afraid of the tension of holding both the mourning and the celebrating. God, we mourn with those who are mourning and we celebrate with those who are celebrating. And so we thank you and we celebrate and we see and we worship you for your healing that is taking place within him. And that's the same healing that we saw in Nick as all of a sudden his infection is just gone. And we thank you for Bonnie who had surgeries, asking for surgery and it went well, God. May we not forget to celebrate and to, pr to praise you. It is with that that we are reminded to, to, for our faith to be spurred on, that we can call upon your name in our greatest suffering. God, we thank you for what you have done and what you are doing and what you're going to do. Thank you for the honor and the privilege it is to partner with you. And thank you for sending your rest, the rescuer to strip us from the greatest of darkest of places into a light that knows no darkness. In Jesus' name. I do wish, as she said that, I want to hug people, and I'm, I'm not necessarily good at hugging. Um, just ask people who have hugged me. It's awkward. But I do miss that part of our service where we got to spend some time just meeting people, and COVID's offering different things. So I'm going to give you a couple recaps, and then I want you to stay tuned right after I preach this message. I've got an important announcement for our church, so I'd like you to stick around for that and then listen in as well. It'll be recorded as well. Uh, but today we're going to travel more into community life. We've been talking about passages from the lectionary that have talked about forgiveness, that have talked about what you do when someone um, needs to be confronted with something. They've been uh, the kind of passages that make you really look inwardly because n our culture does not produce people who typically do communal life together well. We're very good at individual things. We like our garages. We like being at home away from people. We like being a part of a ton of people but not having any deep conversations. So we're an individualistic culture. So communal life in, in relation to the way Jesus was trying to present it in the Gospels is difficult for us. And I think we just need to be honest about that. We're not perfect at it. There's no perfect church. In every church there are flaws like we talked about last week. We get in trouble when we put upon the church that it needs to be perfect and we think you can't have problems in the church. God just gives us the way through those problems, right? Last week we talked about how many times do you forgive someone 70 times 7. The perfect number. Paul, Peter was trying to figure out, is there an end? Can I just do it this much? But what Jesus was saying, no, this has to become your culture. This is actually the norm that you should do and then move into that deeper. That's not for us. So today I just want to remind you of the pots, prayers of the season. These are the things we're going to be preaching through starting in October and going through the next six weeks. Our pots are a collection of prayers the community is trying to pray into for the next season. I'm just going to read the headings of these, and then in the back of your seats and out front, there are flyers with these on them. But clear paths for formation and discipleship is one of them. Community belonging and connectedness, I absolutely know that's for right now, that we have to be creative on how we re-engage the body, and we need one another badly at this point. The next one is creativity. What an, what an amazing season to become creative about what Jesus is doing. 
He's not waiting for the church to finally get their stuff together to get back to like we were. He's like, no, I've been doing some of these things for a long time, and this is actually going to make it a much deeper and richer community if you'll follow my lead. That's what I believe. So creativity needs to happen. The next one, RCC leadership. We're praying for the ones that we have, the ones that are coming. We're praying that God would provide us with the right people at the right time. He's done that in each season. Next one, needs. We want to be good at being able to provide for people. We actually have a fund that is created for people in our body that if they have a need to reach out, no one's reaching out. So everyone's doing perfect. It's the most amazing place we've ever been in this body. So if you happen to be in a spot where you're like, I'm actually in terrible need right now, people have been giving towards that for months. We would like to step in there. And we would also like to start kind of building up the ideas of what we're going to be doing in our city. And you're going to hear more about that in the next few weeks. But we believe as the body, we're supposed to meet needs. Like that's not as an identity, but we get to do this with God. And so needs are a big one. The last one is the continued conversations about justice and racial reconciliation, which you've, you've been hearing about, but there's going to be more steps. We know that we need to continue to learn and continue to restore. And so you're going to be hearing about those next month. Also in this season, there's been a few passages that have jumped out, I believe, almost as DNA passages for RCC. And I'm just going to crank through a couple of those. These are small, but I just want you to remember them. They said to each other, did our hearts not burn within us while he talked to us on the road, while he opened the scriptures? He was talking about when Jesus was with him, his disciples. Did our hearts not burn within us? And I remember those moments in my life where my heart began to burn within me for Jesus. I can't really explain those moments. I just know that there are seasons where my desire for him is so strong that it seems like there's something extra in it. Are our hearts not burning for him, right? Remove the pressure of having to be perfect for God. But leading and following his lead and pursuing Jesus as he pursues us. The next one. And above all these things, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which you indeed were called in one body. And be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Let the word of Christ dwell dwell in you richly, to live in you. We talked about this one Sunday. If something is dwelling, it's living. It's not sitting there waiting to be thought up, to be spoken, just that. It's actually alive, interacting, right? It's that idea that the word logos is living and breathing, and that when we read and interact with Jesus in the text, it's actually an interaction with him, right? My friend Dr. Johns calls it the uh, lively oracles, the sacred text, what a gift we have in those. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And the last one that kind of sticks out in this season is, I'm the good shepherd. I know my own and they know me. Just as my father knows me and I know my father, and I lay down my life for my sheep, speaking of what he does for us. And if I have other sheep that are not of this fold, I must bring them in also, and they will listen to my voice, so there will be one flock, one shepherd. We hear his voice, right? This is the idea that we are in a space with God in a season where he's speaking, and as our shepherd, we can follow his lead, personally and corporately. This is beautiful. That has nothing to do with today's text. So I'm just going to jump into this part. As we do this, you're going to think at first glance that this text is about fairness. It's about what's fair and what's not fair. It's about that guy doesn't deserve that or no, I deserve more than that. This comes up every day in our house. Literally at least one time a day, one of our children says, 
that's not fair. I mean, Alethea, my daughter, said, but she's never the one that says that, ever. That's not fair is said so much in our house. I've, I've heard me and Sarah saying this to each other. This is kind of what we live in. There's actually an experiment that I would recommend that you look up online. You can search it up on YouTube. It's about capuchin monkeys, and they did an experiment on fairness. Look it up. I've already watched it like five times this week. There's two monkeys that are put in cages, and they're trained to give 25 rocks each. And once they give a rock, they receive a piece of cucumber, which to a monkey is like a cucumber, which is good. And then each of them are receiving this, giving a rock, receiving this, giving a rock, receiving this. And then the turn in the experiment is when the people decide, for this one who gives a rock, I give, I give this. And then for the second one, for no reason, we're giving a grape, which is evidently like an awesome dessert for a monkey. So they see it happen. One gets the cucumber, begins to eat it. He's fine, looks over. The friend is getting a grape, and he's like, you see the interaction like the same thing is happening. And then the other one gives a, a, another rock expecting that now he'll get the grape. He gets another cucumber and then he just for no reason at all, they give the other one a grape again. And the monkey sticks his hand through and throws things, starts throwing things at the... So fairness is, like it's, it's experiment on fairness. Still getting what, what the monkey needed. But because there's a new element, someone near is getting something better. The tables have turned not only for them, but for the monkey not getting the grape. Does that make sense? It's fascinating. They've done it in babies as well to, to recognize that even as old as six months, they can start to notice when they are not getting what someone else is getting and based the way that they are alive around it, start to respond. Fairness is not something new. Fairness is alive and well. I want to read you Matthew 20. This is our main text today. And you can open it up in your text. You can pull it up at home. If you're a business person, you literally hate every part of this. If you're built around the capitalistic culture that we live in and you believe that is the answer, you are going to hate this parable. What I like about parables, what they do so well, is not that they give us the answers to questions, but as Buchner says, and this is a quote you can pull up if you want, the Bible's not meant to give us the answers. We're meant to look for the questions that are asked, right? Don't start looking in the Bible for the answers it gives. Start by listening for the questions it asks. And when you lock into a question that, res that resounds in your heart, that makes you think, oh my gosh, lean into it. God is doing work. There are answers, but the questions are what the parable is about. A parable will always reveal something about the nature and character of God and something about the nature and character of the reader. And if the reader or the participant allows himself to settle into it, they can begin to have an interaction that will stretch them like they would not have been stretched before. An answer does not stretch us. So when we desire just an answer, that, there's no stretching. We are stretched when we cannot figure out what to do. We have to lean into the body, to the spirit, to the word, into community, and that's what's meant to happen. So when I read this to you, I want you to read it as if Jesus has a desire to grow us as we listen. Not to prove us wrong, but to grow us. He's always, always, always wooing us into his presence to speak a truth that will broaden how we see him. And it will be beneficial for us and the body. So let's go. Matthew 20. For the kingdom of heaven is like a master of a house who went out early in the morning to hire laborers for his vineyard. After agreeing with the laborers for a denarius, a day, he sent them into the vineyard. 
Good so far. Everything's good. And going out about the third hour, he saw others standing idle in the marketplace. He invited them. He said, you want to go to the vineyard too? And whatever is right, I will give you. So they went. And then going out again about the sixth hour, this is another three hours later, and about the ninth hour, this is a long time later, he did the same. And about the eleventh hour, he went out and found others standing. This is like an hour before closing time. And he said to them, why are you standing? Why are you standing here idle all day long? Don't, don't hear in this resentment from this landowner. That's not the tone of that question. Why are you idle? Right? Why are you idle at this time? Then he said to him, because no one has hired us. He said to them, you go up into the vineyard too. And when evening came, the owner of the vineyard said to the foreman, call the laborers. This is where we start to dislike this parable. Call the laborers and pay them their wages, beginning with the last up to the first. And when those hired about the 11th hour came, each of them received a denarius. And they're like, yeah, this is great. This is good. I can provide. I can provide what's needed for today. Now when those hired first, many hours earlier, they thought they would receive more. So they're, just think through this. They're like, oh, that, that guy came late. He got that much? So they're probably, I'm, I'm already doing the math here. I'm like, I know nine times that is a lot more than that. So we're, we're about to go to Gatlinburg, you know what I'm saying? And Sizzler, we're going to double up. We're going out. That's not what happens. And on receiving, but each of them also received the same amount, denarius. And on receiving it, they grumbled against the house, saying, these last worked only one hour, and you have made them equal to us, who have borne this, the burden of the day in the scorching heat? But he replied to them, friend, I am doing you no wrong. Did I not agree with you for the denarius? Take what belongs to you and go. I choose to give to this last worker as I gave to you. I am not allowed to do what I choose with, am I not allowed to do what I choose with what belongs to me? And I want to say that again because I'm going to ask it later. Am I not allowed to do what I choose with what belongs to me? Or do you begrudge my generosity? Another translation that actually says something very different. It says, are your eyes evil now because of my goodness? So that, that's, that phrase is actually more accurately, are your eyes evil because I'm good? Speaking to the first who rightly has an argument because equity is not happening. I worked nine times the amount that this person worked, this is absolutely not fair. I've worked as hard with my last 20 years in my life as that person has over there. I have so much left to show forth for them. I've been serving you, Jesus, the whole time. Why am I in this spot and they are in that spot? And he says to us, am I not allowed to do what I want with what is mine? And we're like, no, you're not. Absolutely not. This isn't the first time these kind of circumstances happened. There's a story of Jonah that we've all heard about. And Jonah is sent to a community of people, the Assyrians, and they are a evil people who are killers. And Jonah is told to go and tell them a message. They listen to the message. And they're like that random group of people that's like, all right, we're gonna repent. We're gonna do what you're saying. And Jonah is so angry that he has to go away and hide under a tent. But he's angry, not because of something he didn't get, 
but because he knows they're bad people and he knew God would do this because he was good. So Jonah is angry that God is good and just. This is interesting. Why? Those are bad people. Why do they get what I'm not getting right now? Why are you going to pull back from someone who deserves to be punished? Right? This isn't the first time that this community has grumbled either. In Exodus, we see it, and we've spoke about this probably six times in the last three months. In Exodus 16, 2 through 11, you don't have to bring this up. God has drawn the Israelites out of Egypt, and he's weaning them off their appetite for power, for first and last, for who's in and who's out, for dominion. He's weaning them off of what it means to have a society that is labeled where the important people are and where the unimportant people are. And now they're in the desert, and they're dealing with the hunger that comes from actually being outside of God's provision, and even in a negative way. So God comes up with a plan. You know what? I'm going to give you manna, but I'm going to give you manna each day and only for that day. And if you decide that you want to keep more, you don't want to do that because it's going to spoil and it's going to be disgusting. And they start to grumble against God because of manna. And actually, I've said this so many times, but manna means what is this? So say, what is this? What is manna? Manna is worth one day's food. What is a denarius? Denarius is worth one day's provision for your family. You're not working for your identity in this vineyard. Your identity is not coming from your denarius, right? Their identity is not coming from the manna. So it's not even really about the manna or the denarius. With this Israelite community, what God is trying to show them is there's something deeper motivating your desire right now. Something much deeper, which means you believe because you worked longer, you deserve more and they deserve less. And you believe because you've decided to follow me into the desert and I'm leading you to the promised land that this is not good enough for you. This daily bread that I'm providing is not good enough for you. The deal is they would really like to be able to distinguish who is better, who is worse. So they're saying, and it actually says this in the Exodus passage, so are we like them? Are we all the same? And their biggest argument is that they are now all the same after leaving a culture where they were not all the same. They would like to be God's first. But we see this all through scripture. The first shall be last. That's even said in this passage. So back to this Matthew passage. Let's just break it apart a little bit. A day laborer. There's nothing super awesome about being a day laborer, even, in, even here. To stand outside and wait and be selected would be good because that means for that day you get food. And then so on and so forth for three more times, three different hour increments. Why is this owner going out? It's almost like he's like needing someone to be walking him through what he needs to do in his vineyard. He keeps going out. It's like, do you actually have a plan or are you just trying to get people here? Because this is a strange plan. Why not do all of this in the beginning? What's he showing us about continuing to invite people to this vineyard, even to the point where there's one hour of work left and people are still invited? But you notice the interaction at the end with the people who are still standing there. Why are you still idle? No one, no one selected us. No one selected us. Why is God providing for that person who would think, maybe I don't have worth what is provided for the person who was selected quickly. And maybe the people at the front end of this are the people who look the strongest when he showed up. And maybe they look like they have skill in a vineyard. And maybe they are smooth talkers and understand how to express to someone looking for work, here's how I'm needed. 
And maybe the last people are like, I don't speak good English, and I don't understand how to do a, what is a grape? These are grapes? Maybe they don't understand any of it. And maybe he's making a point that his heart will always be for those last people. Maybe he's making a point that it's broader than just getting a wage or earning merit even through your work. I think what's happening here is he would just love it if people would love to be in the vineyard. Wouldn't it just be great if working for the Lord and serving the gospel with brother and sister was so good that we weren't consumed by whether or not we were going to be provided for. God is going to provide for us. And for some of us, it may be grapes. And for some of us, it may be cucumbers. But God is good. Amen and amen. I get to work the fields with God. I get to be in the vineyard with God. And this is a parable about the kingdom and being in the kingdom. And if you want to know our place in this, we are not the first. He is making a clear distinction. You are these people that came in last. You are those who are just getting in. He's trying to shock us with generosity and we look for equity. God operates on a different system. His grace is radical and undeserved and it flattens the field and the table is broad and he invites us all to sit and he doesn't make distinctions. The only one in control here is the landowner. Everybody else is doing the work. But now the tables have turned and the first are the offended and the lowly and the last feel like they've been fed. And the question is why? Why can you not be happy that they got what you got? It's all provision for what you need. Why must you spend your time being so angry about what someone else got when I'm giving you what you need? Christianity cannot be about comparison. And if it is, it will fail us and you and them every single time. Whether we have a lot or a little, God is good. Whether he takes or gives, right, he gives and takes away, God is good. Whether we eat manna for the rest of this year or filet mignon, God is good. Whether he teaches us that through our lack of money, we're going to have to be creative and be frugal and learn how to be smart with it, God is good. What if he gives us so much money that we have to learn how to give so graciously that there would be no hint of us storing up for our futures only? The kingdom of God is different. He's inviting us into it. What if when we look at these kind of situations, our thoughts are, just think about this. Think about that first group, seeing this last group and being like, look how awesome our landowner is that he would give that to them. Instead of, wait, what? Because let's just be honest, all of us are about equity. And if I put in this amount of time and work, I get this amount of pay. And probably more, because I'm probably better than people even think I am. Like, I'm probably better. I'm probably better than that. Right? Like, that's just us, right? If we do this amount of work at this church, we need to be doing, we need to have more fruit than that church. This family over here, like, they're perfect on Instagram, but I know the work I'm putting with my kid. God, I need you to produce better results. My son needs a better batting average, like now. Like, my daughter needs to be a better swimmer now. I'm putting in, it's not like that. He's looking for generosity, humility, graciousness, and thankfulness. You have plenty to be thankful for. People sitting in this room right now, people listening, we can do this. We are surrounding each other with 
Christ. We are with Christ right now. This is what makes the world go round, what we're doing right now. What if we had hearts that burned within us for just these simple things? What are we still thinking we deserve? What is it gonna take for us to quench our anger and realize he's already that providing God? What if we realize it now before he has to take, take us through a desert experience? Before he has to let us cry all day long about how they're getting that and we're not? What if we can just say, thank you for the manna. May I have another? What is it? Anyway, I digress. What if we said, God, what if this was our instant response and what we thought about? God loves me and all creation deeply and profoundly. God loves all others and we're all made in the image of God. God is generous beyond my wildest imagination, but I don't get to choose what that generosity looks like. There is nothing I can do to earn or deserve God's favor. So when you receive the grace of God, it tastes like you just ate something that is good and it's sustaining and he's leading to promised lands. But even when we get there, it's not fillets sitting on plates. He's teaching us to work the land. He's teaching, teaching us what it means to be a part of it. Right? He doesn't take them out of Egypt to the promised land to be like, and now I serve you everything you want for the rest of your life. He says, no, I'm training you to now work this land and be responsible with it and enjoy being a part of the vineyard. All of you, quit being angry, jump into the vineyard, be a part. Move beyond whatever angers you and what you think you might deserve. Move into generosity and thankfulness. I believe that's the heart of God. I believe that's what he's saying to us. So I'm going to pray, and are we going to do a closing song today? You can go ahead and come up. But as I pray, I want you to ask some questions. Do you feel that you are not getting what you deserve? I think that's a common feeling. That's not something you should feel shame about. I think that's common. I just think you need to interact with your creator about it and let him show you the deeper reasons why. It's not because of them or a thing you don't have yet, it's because of something he's developing in your heart. You may need it and want it. You may need more of it and want it. You just may not realize that he's doing it right now while you're waiting for it to happen. So examine, are you angry about something you haven't received yet? And then I would just say this, and I'm gonna use strong language here, because to me this is a year of humility, repentance, confession. That's what this whole year's been about for me. It's not been about getting back to January. I don't wanna go back to January. There was things I was praying in January that I wanted to see happen. And they looked more like a vibrant church that was alive in the gospel who pursued Jesus, not because it was transactional, but because he was good and he was alive. That's what I want to see happen. I don't think it's going to happen if we go back. That's like going back to Egypt. So right now, I think the call for us is to say, dear father, forgive me. Forgive me for not enjoying your kingdom because it's right here. It's in our midst. You are present even in this room. You are working in this room. Forgive me, God, for thinking that if I could get to another month and do another thing and produce another event or get this out or, or tweak my Instagram or tweak my business profile, that it would, that next thing, Forgive me. You are good even now. 
You are good in this mess. And let us unify together and work this vineyard, God. Let us be the kind of people, if people were to drive into the vineyard, they'd be like, these guys are too happy to be here. This is, this is laborsome. Let us be the kind of people who don't look for the ways to be upset and look at the glass half empties, but look into this church, this city, and the kingdom and say, I just want a spot because it's good. And I know you're good, Father. Because why would you treat everyone like you've been treating them if you're not? Your radical generosity is too much for me to bear sometimes unless I'm experiencing it. So help me to receive it and give it. So I'm going to pray over you. Jesus, these are people you created. And today, whoever's here, they need to hear a couple things. They need to hear that, one, you are pursuing them and not with anger in your eyes, but with compassion. And you're drawing them into a place to remind them who they are, whose they are, and what they're called to. And he's especially interested in people who think, am I worth anything at all? You're the one he says, come. Come with me. And we celebrate it if you're in that spot. But we need you, Jesus. We need you, Jesus. So there's a couple things happening this week I just want you to be aware of. Tonight, if you're brand new to the church and you'd like to go through kind of who we are, it starts at 6. There's still space for people if they want to jump into that. Uh, you can pull one of us aside afterwards. Tuesday night, we have prayer and worship at the table. It's just that. You show up. There's no, you don't have to have anything going on. You just show up ready to pray, and, and there's going to be worship happening. Wednesday night, if you want community at Bronner, we're going to just gather at Bronner. And then Thursday night, the most exciting is a finance update with Jonathan Godby, which we promise will be riveting. So is that the promise? Okay, awesome. Bill will be there as well, so it's double, doubly a lot of love happening. So I have a... A tough announcement I've got to make. I want you to be here and present for. I'm going to read it to you. Um, it's one of the larger decisions we've had to walk through as a church. So there are seasons of church life that are good. There are some that are bad, and there are some that are very, very hard to be a part of for sure. Today I have a hard and tough announcement to share with you. I'm going to get right to it and then share from my heart. Jordan Craig will be transitioning off of our staff. And this has been a long, tough, prayerful time of seeking about this decision that ultimately led to the leadership believing it was time for Jordan and RCC to take different paths. It's been a sad and tough conclusion to come to for me, for sure. And even though this will be a time of transition and it will be a hard transition, I do want to take a moment to share how God has deeply blessed RCC and made us better through how he's used Jordan. Jordan has been someone who was willing to wear many hats from day one of this church plant, connections pastor, community groups pastor, missions director, associate pastor, table director. He's done a ton. Jordan's one of the smartest people I've ever met. He's a massively gifted preacher, and I've seen his gift through preaching grow exponentially since we planted the church. I've also noticed a heart and a passion to see the gospel reach people who would not necessarily choose to come to a local church. 
and Jordan having a shepherd heart to that community. And we know that Jordan will need time and space to pray and develop his vision for his next steps with his family. And it's our desire to bless him so that that's with the space to do that in the next season. We believe that the Lord will use Jordan in powerful ways. And I truly believe that in the future. And we hope to have opportunities for future partnerships. Now, if you would like to give towards the Craigs as a blessing parting gift, we ask you to visit our website, which we'll put in the tab in this video and look for under giving, blessing the Craigs. I ask that you bless generously, like we preached about today. Jordan will be completing his time here this month, so we ask that you pray for him and Katie and the kids in their transition, and that you also pray for RCC in the transition. It's tough for both. Shannon McRae will step in immediately October 1st as the interim table director for at least a period of two months. Now I'd just like to pray with all of you and pray for them. It's okay. So close your eyes with me. Father, I just ask you to be the shepherd that they need right now. I ask that you would provide spaces for trust and healing and hope. I ask that you would provide community and connection around them, send people that love well. I thank you so much for how our DNA has been changed because Jordan and Katie have been a part. I know that there are blessings that we are receiving as a church because of them, because you have used them both here and you have made us better through them. I pray that you provide everything that they need in this next season. In Jesus' name we pray. I'm going to read a closing benediction, and then we'll close off the video. My prayer is that the Lord bless you and keep you, that the Lord make his face to shine on you and be gracious to you, that the Lord would turn his face towards you and give you peace. Pray blessings over everyone watching from home. Thank you again for joining us today, and please visit our website at rivercitysmyrna.com.